Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. The Death Song, written by Sporno. Terra shattered into chunks of molten rock, flying outwards from the epicenter of the planet bluster impact. But Second Lord Digot hardly noticed the death of Bidian's Terrans and the victory over the battle fleet was hollow. Instead of fitting the Second Lord with satisfaction, he felt only fear and a sense that his mission had ultimately failed. No one had wanted the events to come to this juncture. No one wanted the cursed priesthood. Anyway, damn them and their eternal dark. You do not celebrate with the others, Second Lord, Subcommander Essay wondered aloud. Tygot sighed gently, resting back into the command stool. Who will sing the death songs for them, Subcommander? High Commander certainly won't, and I expect to be relieved when we return, victory or not. He paused for a moment, staring out into the vast emptiness of the viewer, the dread growing in the pit of his second stomach. And who shall sing the songs of the dead for us when the Terrans return? His third eye rested on the tactical plot of the Terran system. It was littered with destroyed vessel, more than the Yaval and Terran, the expanding cloud of wreckage from a thousand shattled battle fleets. They fought like demons, Essay, and the our children will remember them as such. Perhaps that is their death song. A million hushed stories whispered to scare hatchlings. Each your green child or the demon humans will return from the expanse and find you in your sleep. The subcommander pondered for a while. You think they will return some day? They will. The demons have short lives, but long memories. It's deep within their soul. So long as one of them survives, they will think of nothing else, Essay. Some revenge will haunt their journey between the galaxies, and they may forget their course. They may regress in technology a thousand times. They may forget our name. Indeed, they may forget their own name, but the eternal drive for vengeance will remain. How else would you fill such a loss? Tygot pointed a clawed finger at the outer system. The massive Terran colony ship was far out of weapons range and spooding up for a hyperband travel. Once in the hyperbands, no Yaval ship would be able to attract them. The Second Lord couldn't, you know, for certain, of course, but such a large vessel almost had to have a self-contained ecosystem, a perfect generation ship for crossing the nothingness between galaxies. He continued as Essay locked on. I wish I could sing a death song for them. Mori crossed Essay's snout. Lord, that is heresy? I know, but if any demons ever deserved it, they did. Tygot frowned. He's not tightening up. It's why I expect to be relieved. You know what the old manual says. A victorious lord knows his enemy like himself. What they don't say is that you kill them, and that is when you know them best. And a part of you dies with them in that fire. I'll be useless to them, and dangerously heretical besides. Necessary casualties in a war against demons. I'm sorry, lord, Essay replied sympathetically. I'm sure High Command will honor you, though. 
Tiger smiled momentarily. Yeah, they will. My name will be written into the wall, and when my time comes, the First Lord shall sing my death song. There will be females in plenty, and a pleasure palace for me in the gardens of Avalash. What Second Lord could ask for more? The smile left his face as he watched the rapidly cooling chunks of what had once been a beautiful pearl in space. A precious world full of life. What had the Terrans thought in their last moments as the planet busters bore down on the atmosphere? What songs had they sung? What desperate prayers had they cast to their gods? The Terran vessel has made translation, Second Lord, the communications officer reported. They are off the charts. No available translation vector, as you predicted. There was an admiration in the young officer's voice, a respect for his enemies shared by all aboard. None could fight the Terrans and not admire their tenacity, their skill, and their bravery. There's a value in knowing your enemy, Ty got abused, but sometimes that doesn't help. In the end, you are just as helpless passenger, watching events unfold as you knew that they would. I knew they'd sacrifice their world in the end. If they could escape our debt in doing so, we shall never see such a magnificent or bravery again. He began to hum the death song. Heresy be banned, wishing to the gods that he could have sent the priests to the fire instead of the humans. Some things had to be done for honor's sake. Surely the gods would understand even if the priests did not. Strangely, the sub-commander picked it up also, his voice turning the tale of the third planet and the demon tenacity. Other voices joined in the chorus, and the strain of sadness entered the melody. One sang of friends fallen in battle to the Terrans, and another sang of Terrans who fell in the final defense of the world. Whether the song was truly for the Terrans or for the Yuval themselves, living with the deeds that they had done, the Second Lord did not know. He would pay the price for his heresy later, but Tygod found he no longer cared. Today, he sung the song of Terra's death. Someday, in the distant future, perhaps the Terrans would sing their own death songs of Yavel. Captain Matthew Winters couldn't bear to watch the death of his home. Records dutifully captured every moment of Earth's death in perfect definition, but it would be many long years before anyone could bring themselves to watch that footage. No, it would be a memory buried in the depths of the Nautilus. If he had children, they might view it someday. He never would, and so he found himself standing outside the command center on the overlooked balcony, facing the hollowed-out biosphere within. Now that they had entered Hyper, there was just little left for him to do. Nautilus was largely automated, and the journey would take a dozen generations or more. All he had to do was keep the lights on, and that only made it worse, for there was all too much time to brood, and far too little to do. Artificial lights descended across the interior globe, and for a moment he felt a familiar memory stir. Standing on the balcony in his apartment in Rome, hearing the bustling of the streets below, feeling the breeze and knowing that where he stood was impossibly ancient. He remembered staring at the dome in the Pantheon, gazing at the same sight that men two thousand years before him. It was an oldness that he felt in his bones, a connection to history that was so much bigger than him. Now all that was gone, stripped away as if it had never existed. 
There was no Rome, no ancient city of Caesars. There was no bustling streets, no soft breeze, no old temples, no history. What remained of humanity was cut from its roots, the stump ground away from it, and cast into the stars. It wasn't truly a real to him, and he half expected to wake up. The last two decades had just been a bad dream. It was said once, he said softly to himself, that we stood on the shoulders of giants. So what happens to us when the giants are gone? What kind of talk is that? A young woman asked him, walking up to the balcony. As he turned to face her, Wintish tried to remember her name, but found that he could not. The ship's roster included over 10,000 souls. Who are? He began, somewhat embarrassed, despite it all. Jesse, Captain, Biology Department, won some company for a while. Winter shrugged. I suppose. Good, cause I sure as hell need it, she said simply. Anger simmered, threatening to come to a boil. Her eyes were like fire, and in that moment he knew just why the Yavel always thought humans to be demons. Don't you worry, Captain. We'll stand on their shoulders, just high enough to slit some Yavel throats. Wintus nodded sadly. Yes, we will. But you and I won't be alive to see it. No. No, for us, there is only exile. No blood satisfaction. There was no guild paid back for the countless dead. We'll miss a place that doesn't exist. A home that may as well have never been. Jessie's anger faded for a moment. Her eyes grew distant. You know, Captain, when I was a kid, my mom used to take us down to the old road crossing of the Mojave. 395, I think they called it once. It was just a strip of cracked pavement, and few ground cars used it anymore. But God, you should have seen the sky out there. It was almost as clear as you see from the viewports here. I used to imagine that we were flying through space, and not in the beat-up old ground car. And now, it's the kind of light the opposite. Here we are shooting through the stars in a marvel of high technology. And now, I just imagine I'm driving an old jalopy, crossing the moonlit desert. Winters opened his mouth as if to speak, but his words left him. Yeah, I know, it's just a memory. I don't really know what to think of it either, and I don't mean to open up like this, but uh, it's just... Uh, Winters nodded. I know, it's weird. It hasn't really hit. The human mind isn't built to wrap itself around something like this. Malfunction cannot process. Jesse smiled for a moment, but they had little else to say. Winters found he had little and had himself. They stood together a while, watching the lights of the little piece of earth hurtling across the stars. There was no wails or screams or sounds of anguish. It was far too raw for that. Even the hyperdrive operated quietly, only a certain unnatural vibration giving testament to the artificial nature of the ground beneath his feet. Everything was solemn, everything was silent, like a funeral before the first speaker came to memorialize the dead. The tears would come later, he knew, and the anger would follow them. A thousand generations of vengeance would nourish and strengthen humanity. He saw it in his mind's eye. Children tore to the destruction of their home, raised on a sense of terrible justice, as cold as an unforgiving as deep space. On some distant planet, the cities would sprawl, the factories churning out weapons of war, the laboratories finding new methods of dealing death. Everyone would remember, everyone would know. 
He saw the countless armies marching into the ships, the battlecruisers ascending to space, so numerous as to blot out the sky. He could almost see the fleets crossing the gulf between galaxies impossibly fast. He imagined their captain stopping at a shattered world and watching as they said a brief prayer over the broken-up remains of ancient terror. And then became the very demons the Yval Priestor thought them to be. But for now, there was too much to take in. For now, there was just no eulogies, no prayers, no coffins, and no sad songs for the death of terror. End of story. Story number two. Zitrilli's List on Terran Social Behavior. Written by the Zet. To the Galactic Admiralty, I as requested, I've assembled a small list of notes on how to communicate with the Terrans in social situations, but would strongly recommend against using it in a standalone training manual. There are too many non-verbal, contextual, and cultural points that could subvert one's intent. I've appended my personal contact information for those who wish for further clarification on any and all of the notes below. Respectfully, Zitrilli's shipmaster of the fourth fleet. Terrans nod at each other in passing as a sign of mutually noticing each other. They are not signaling the beginning of an ambush. The above observations do not apply to Private Kip. Terrans occasionally smile and expose their teeth. This is normal and not a threat. Sometimes Terrans smile and it is a threat. Commenting on a Terran's mother's traits is considered a sign of bonding when they said by a compatriot, but an invitation for open conflict if not. The perceived difference between being a compatriot and not exists only in the Terran's head. Terrans frequently call non-genetic siblings bro, brother, sis, or sister as a term of endearment. You are not required to leave your genetic group and to join the Terrans. Terrans have a vast collection of music and art. There is no source of music that all Terrans enjoy. Addendum. Music is meant to be an expression of emotion, not logic. Terrans do not actually believe rotund females cause the Earth to circle the star. To Google, verb, to use a particular search engine to find out how to do, understand, or interpret a given action. Do not Google anything Private Kip tells you to, even if he said Sarge told you to. He did not. Sarcasm is a mode of Terran linguistic humor and is usually an indication of camaraderie between soldiers. We are still trying to find a reliable method of detecting when Terrans are using sarcasm versus being serious. Addendum, in combat situations, the more insane the suggestion, the less likely Terrans are being sarcastic. When making observations concerning enemy movements and encampment, avoid using the words never, impossible, or similar absolutes. This goes double when around Sarge and or Demi, see file flatulence cannon. Six to eight hours of sleep is required for Terrans in a 24-hour period. Waking a sleeping human can cause any number of reactions, the mildest being slight confusion and the extremest being bodily harm. Addendum, Irigoian woke Private Kip up and the Terrans started blabbling about placing Dishonor on the Regain and his cow and his family, etc., Three days later, the Ragoian died and his firearm malfunctioned. We are 98% sure that this is a coincidence. Poker is a game where you weigh the probability of other players are lying to you or not. Terrans cannot invoke God is watching and force you to be truthful. 
The word freck in the Terran language is a noun, adjective, verb, adverb, explicitive, exclamation, interjective, and several other word classes. As such, the Terran saying it might not be insulting to you personally. Maybe. Fist bumping is a casual greeting amongst friends, not an invitation to brawl. Addendum. Never fist bump Sarge under any circumstances. See File Catridi's Assisted Suicide for further details. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.